1: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, October 20th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our Sunday morning podcast. Yes, Ohio State won on Friday night. Fox programming has led us to take a day off and stew over the W for a bit. We will be joined today by Bill Kerlick, Pat Murphy, and Matt Baxendell. But first, who else but the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curler, joins us as he always does on Sunday mornings. Bill, how goes it? Very well here in
2: um, Columbus. Can't tell yet if it's going to be a sunny day for sure. Sun's not quite up yet, at least uh, from behind some clouds. But uh, it's supposed to be in the 70s, so I think it'll be a good-looking day here in Columbus.
1: Crisp fall morning, which we love in Ohio. What else do we love? Watching the Buckeyes kick a little butt on national TV. Bill, it's been an extra day. Your thoughts on Ohio State's decimation of Northwestern in Evanston on Friday night. Uh,
2: Kind of the same old, same old. Very, very impressive. And, you know, one of the things that is most impressed me is that, um, you know, if something doesn't start, uh, quite the way uh, the Ohio State staff envisioned it. If they are slow in some area, it doesn't take them long to figure things out and get it straightened out. For instance, um, you know the first uh, uh, few times Northwestern uh, was was kind of dicing up the Ohio State defense a little bit with their running plays, um, but that did not continue. Uh, by a little bit later in the game, um, mid first quarter, second quarter, they had that figured out. Was, Northwestern was no longer finding the holes in the Ohio State defensive line and or throughout the, you know, in the linebackers and all. They weren't getting a lot of yards rushing. So uh, w- whatever they needed to do to figure that out, they figured it out quickly. When they started a little slow offensively against Michigan State, uh, they figured that out. I'm very impressed with their ability to make adjustments quickly, get things figured out, and as we all know, by the time the second quarter rolls around, look out. They have been absolutely spectacular in the second quarter, and that continued
1: this past weekend. Speaking for myself, that's about what I expected to happen in the game. If you look at Northwestern's track record throughout the first portion of the season, they just can't score any points. If you don't bring in an offense with multiple NFL threats, you are not going to beat Ohio State. Okay, Bill, we thought this was going to be the game of the year, or at least the first game of the year this weekend. Theoretically unbeaten Wisconsin was coming to face Ohio State in the shoe, but then the fighting Lovie Smith stepped in. Wisconsin will come to Ohio State now with a loss after going down to Illinois. Do you think that will affect the weekend in any way? And then maybe start off with a guest list of the best and brightest we expect to be in Columbus next weekend.
2: Well, I, you know, I guess i would start by saying shocking. I, You know, I watched uh, uh, the fourth quarter of that Illinois uh win over Wisconsin it was just shocking uh i i think if if i am not mistaken illinois came into that game having lost 26 out of their last 30 big 10 games i think i saw a stat something like that um for for them to pull that off upset off you know i, I just it was kind of hard to believe um you know as far as the upcoming weekend you know certainly that's going to take a little bit of luster off the game um you know wisconsin's not going to be rated uh where they were going into this past weekend ohio state uh was certainly going to be about the same place if not the same place um it's not going to be a matchup anymore of two top Six or seven teams in the country, and um, that does take a little bit of luster off. But I don't think it's going to diminish the recruiting uh, aspect of it much, if at all. Um, you know, the, it's still early; uh, still, uh, players are deciding if they can make it. It does hurt that it is a noon game; that makes it harder for recruits to make it to a game, especially recruits from outside the state of Ohio to make it to a game uh, that starts at noon eastern standard time but nonetheless there's going to be a nice group of recruits led by the country's number one 2021 athlete amika abuka from the state of washington he's planning to make the trip all the way to columbus uh uh, he, he was here uh he's already been here once he's coming back and came out with his top 10 uh very recently no surprise ohio state was on it so he is a huge name to get in for a visit this coming weekend jack miller High State's quarterback commitment is scheduled to make his official visit to Ohio State this weekend. Uh, Will Shipley is trying to make it up. Had it been a night game, Will Shipley from North Carolina, five-star 2021 running back, he would have been able to make it certainly. Uh, he is still really hoping to make it up. We'll see if that happens, uh, but it's certainly a very real possibility. So uh, there are some, some big names. Uh, Mayan Williams, the running back 2020 running back from Cincinnati Wenton Woods is looking to make it to the game. So, uh, you know, those are some of the early names from big prospects that Ohio State fans should be aware of that uh, could be or will be in the shoe on Saturday.
1: Certainly an impressive list in Ohio State's success in the Pacific Northwest with athletic types. Hopefully will continue with Mecca. He's not the only one we have a lot to look forward to about, though. The guys who are committed to Ohio State ran roughshod over the competition this past weekend. A lot of guys kicking some serious butt on the field. Who are a couple we should highlight?
2: Well, Ohio State now has a record holder, a state record holder in their 2020 recruiting class. Jackson Smith and Jigba from um, Rockwell, Texas, had kind of another big game, but for him it's almost a typical game. He had nine catches for 153 yards, four touchdowns as his team Rockwell defeated North Mesquite 76 to 7. And with those, um, with those numbers, uh, Smith and Jenga became the career receiving yards record holder for 6A for the state of Texas. So that's, yeah, that's a pretty impressive record to have. He's, he's seventh on the all time career receiving yards mark for all classifications in the state of texas but for 6a he now holds the record and he's still got a couple regular season games to go and uh likely the playoffs so he's only going to add to that record so he is now an ohio state or i should say a state of texas record holder for an ohio state commitment uh ferris johnson same old same old you know, another dominating performance. His team won big on Friday night and, uh, he, he had his usual double digit pancake block numbers. So, uh, I believe he is now at 72 pancake blocks for the season, uh, which is kind of a r- ridiculous number. So he continues to get it done. So not another big weekend on the, uh, uh, recruiting trail when it comes to performances by Ohio State commitments.
1: If you haven't watched Paris Johnson play football, you should go do it. It is a treat to watch a left tackle who is that nasty and that athletic. It literally looks like the the scene in the blind side where the one guy runs his mouth and then gets it handed to him. So it's (laughs) worth the price of admission. We appreciate Bill stopping by. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be back with Pat Murphy.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: the lovely and talented Patrick Murphy. Pat, how are you this fine Sunday morning?
4: I'm fantastic. How are you doing?
1: As always, a millennial before 9 a.m., working at X Proficiency, but we will fight through it. You were there. <laughs> you saw 52-3 to 3 in Evanston. Your prediction was 45-14, so pretty much on point. Now that you've had a day to think about it, your thoughts on Ohio State's whomping of
4: Northwestern? This team just continues to impress, right? I mean, you know, I I even thought that, you know, they'd give up some points in, in junk time. Uh, you know, that's where kind of the, the 14 points from Northwestern I thought would come from, that, you know, they'd, they'd get up and the backups would would give up some yards, give up some points. And even when the backups came in on, on Friday night, uh, you know, they get an interception, they stop a drive. Uh, this team is – is is just continuing to do everything that they should, and and Friday was another example. You know, they're expected to win big; they do. You know, they go out similar to the Michigan State game. They have to uh, figure out a a decently talented defense early in the the first quarter, and they've done this in in a few games this year, not just the Michigan State game. Um, they figure it out. You know, another second quarter where they put up 150 plus yards, 24 points and just get the ball rolling. Second quarter has been great to to Ohio State this year. And from from then on out, you know, the game was over. I mean, by halftime, you know, it's, it's it's not even a contest anymore. Justin Fields is rolling. J.K. Dobbins is rolling. The defense isn't allowing Northwestern to move the ball. They did have, I think, two drives where they got the running game going a little bit. But, um, you know, it's, there was little that came, came out of that game that was concerning to me. Um, yeah, you know, th- this team just continues to figure things out. They're confident, but in a very positive way—not overly confident. The, the vibe around the team is very good. Uh, I'm just, I'm just overall very impressed with with everything. Once again, no letdown after the bye week, which was a minor concern. Ryan Day's got this thing rolling right now.
1: This time last year, people forget we were still embroiled in a lot of controversy, and yeah. every time. Uh, you know, Urban grabbed his knees. People were calling for an MRI. So it just, it's just smooth sailing. It, it, it has been as smooth of a start to a season for a team that I pay attention to as I can almost remember. They've gotten it from every level. To me, it was kind of symbolic. When you, when Marcus Crowley is ripping off 40-yard runs and then we just kind of quit and say, look, we can do it with our third string we can do it with our fourth string. That was almost a mercy vibe at the end there. Speaking of mercy vibes, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. I have not looked forward to a game, not including Ohio State all season as much as this one. One of the other ones I really looked forward to was Wisconsin versus Michigan. And they have something in common in that about 10 minutes into the game, I felt like I was watching a beatdown. Now, I give Michigan credit. They did rally. Your thoughts on Michigan losing at Penn State, kind of in heartbreaking fashion, but Jim Harbaugh's record as an underdog continues as an over.
4: I'm honestly, I was honestly impressed with, with Michigan's fight back. Steve and I, Steve Hewitt and I talked on the Facebook live we did after the game about if Michigan gets blown out at Penn state, you know, they just quit on this season, quit on Jim Harbaugh. I didn't see that, you know, early in the game, Penn state was clearly the better team. And I think that was obvious with, with the way they got out to that start. But you know, the, the fact that Michigan was able to fight back and, and make that a competitive game into the fourth quarter, into, you know, the, the very end of the game, frankly, showed me that this team isn't giving up. Um, you know, despite the fact that they're out of national contention, potentially out of Big Ten, just in terms of what we think of this team, you know, they're gonna fight. Um, I don't think it looks great, you know. They still can't throw the ball the way that a Jim Harbaugh team should, in my mind. Um, and I don't know at this point why I think that because he hasn't pro- proven to develop quarterbacks at the college level since he's been at Michigan, but, you know, at, at least there was something there. You know, they they got some running game going, you know, three touchdowns on the ground, um, a, a decently productive day. So from a Michigan perspective, you're not happy that you lost, but it's not as bad as it could be. From a Penn State perspective, you know, you, you keep doing what you've been doing. It, it hasn't always looked pretty for them this season. But they're winning games. Um, this is a team that came into the season with a lot of question marks, given the, the players that they've lost. Uh, I don't know if they've necessarily replaced guys like, like Barkley and McSorley, but you know, Sean Clifford and, and the running backs that they have there have done a good enough job. This defense is, is decent. Um, this is a big test. you know. Obviously, a whiteout at home, you expect uh, Penn State to, to show up, and they did the, the fact that they let Michigan back in the game is a little disappointing, I guess, from Penn State perspective, but, um, you know, you get the win. So, um, all in all, I think it was probably the the best result from a Big Ten Ohio State perspective. Penn State wins, so you still have another top ten team, especially after um, Wisconsin losing, which we'll talk about. Uh, but Michigan, you know, looks respectable in the, the national spotlight, at least from a result standpoint. So, all in all, I think it, it works out as good as can be expected. But, uh, yeah, I was was at least decently impressed that Michigan didn't, you know, just curl up in a ball and and take the beating.
1: Yeah, when I look at Ohio State and the rest of the season and their Big Ten competition, all I see is a picture of K.J. Hamler. That guy scares the crap out of me. I said this going into this weekend. I've said it a bunch of times. I don't know if I've ever feared one player on one team more than Hamler. I'm not saying he's like the best player they've ever gone against, but you saw it last night. You know Michigan spent the whole week talking about K.J. Hamler, and it did nothing. Not coming through when you need to or looking ahead or whatever cliche you want to enter in there. Wisconsin loses to the fighting Lovey Smiths a week before they're supposed to head to Columbus for a national showdown. Your thoughts on Illinois beating Wisconsin, and I will say this, I watched – a good portion of the second half of that game. That was not fluky.
4: Yeah, you said it. I mean, looking ahead, I think, is is probably a little bit of what Wisconsin was doing. Um, I mean, you know, I think that just credits Ohio State for not looking ahead in a, in a similar type of game going on the road um, a week before this game. But, yeah, I think you you saw what Wisconsin is. I mean, yes, Jonathan Taylor is very good. We know this. But what happens... Beyond him for this Wisconsin offense, Um, you know, the the Wisconsin defense, which I came into the weekend really hyping up. I thought this was one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best defense in the country, and then, you know, they they very much underperform or or get exposed against this Illinois offense, which frankly isn't very good. Um, Brandon Peters throws for 174 yards and two touchdowns, you know, the, the same Brandon Peters that couldn't, you know, get the job done at Michigan. They're able to run the ball. Um, you know, I, I think they showed showed some things you could do to this Wisconsin defense, um, and they were able to keep things in check. Uh, defensively, Illinois, I'm talking about what what this means going forward. I'll be very interested to see Wisconsin's response next weekend. You know, I was talking to people last night, friends of mine, that were asking, you know, do, do, does this mean Illinois, or Wisconsin comes into next week pissed off and, and more ready to go. And, you know, I think Wisconsin is going to be ready for next week's game regardless. Um, you know, I think what it did was like I said, I think it exposed some things on Wisconsin. Is Wisconsin the number six team in the country? No, I don't think they are. Uh, I did think they were coming into the game. So, You know, uh, shame on me. But, uh, yeah, I I was as surprised as anyone with this result. I thought Wisconsin would would go in there similar to what Ohio State did at Northwestern and, you know, just just roll through the game and and set up this top five potentially showdown next week. But it's not – I don't think it's the end of the world. I think Ohio State just needs to keep winning, um, handle business against Wisconsin, you know, take what Illinois did uh, that that fits what, what you do, and, and use that but for the most part Ohio State needs to just keep doing what they're doing, you know, contain Jonathan Taylor as much as possible next week and uh, you know, get out get out of there with, with a win. Um, this is one of those games where I think you just you just need to, to handle your business and you know at this point, you know, does it need to look impressive? Maybe, but you pass the eye test through seven weeks if you beat a top fifteen team at home. Um, in what will be one of the games of the week. I think people will recognize that. So just get the job done against this Wisconsin team, Um, and uh, and I think then you you can look forward to a few weeks where, one, you're off, and, and two, where you play some, some of the lower Big Ten caliber teams.
1: We were waiting to see what Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn would do when needed. Did not perform well in the clutch. I just don't see him able to lead an offense that could threaten Ohio State. You are not just going to line up and run it straight at them. So we all know that. Right. When the polls come out, the AP poll and the coaches'
4: poll, where will Ohio State out? I think they probably sit at four in, in those. Still, um, you know, that's not where I would have them. I, you know, I think this is probably the the second best team in the country. I would put them behind only LSU, um, and Alabama's right there. But you know, with with no other, you know, major upsets, uh, this week, I think they probably stay at four. The AP and the coaches poll don't seem to, to, you know, move teams around much unless there's a lot, a major loss in the, the, the top. So, um, you know, with, with Wisconsin being a major upset, I think they sit at four, um, going into next weekend. But, you know, like I said, I would have them higher, but, you know, they don't give, they don't give me the, uh, the overall say. If Vegas did the rankings, Ohio State would be higher as well and always follow yeah. the money.
1: We appreciate Pat stopping by, Pat. Have a great Sunday, brother.
4: Cool. Talk to you later.
1: We'll be back in just a sec with the People's Chant. Matt Baxendale. <laughs> we are back with the People's Chant, Matt Baxendale, calling from an interesting location that we will get to later on. First, Bax. You got to witness what we all got to see on Friday night, a 52-3 beatdown of Northwestern. Your thoughts, now that you had a chance to sit on it.
5: So we called last year's Ohio State team the video game team because the offense was so good. This year's team might actually be the video game team because every game's a gigantic blowout. They're winning by six, seven touchdowns, it seems like, half the time. I don't know how to even, like, I put this in the bucket of the bullets later today, is this I could copy-paste everything I've written about how great they've been because they've just been consistently dominant. And it's just it's one of those things where this team is just blatantly good. They're blatantly hitting on every cylinder. Northwestern never stood a chance. The second quarter is like a boxer who feels out his opponent for the first round or two and then levels them in the third. And at this point, I think we're all anxious just to see how they stack up against somebody who – maybe is a little bit closer to the top of the country. You know, we thought Wisconsin might be that test. Whoops. But it's still going to be a step up in competition from anyone they've played, so that's a start. End of the day, there's no weakness on this team. There's none. The defense went from liability to awesome literally overnight. Like, the the offense is multi dimensional. You can be beaten by six or seven different guys. Heck, your backup running back looks like he's an absolute stud. Uh, Really, the only thing that can screw this season for OSU at this point is if anything happens to Justin Fields. That's the only concern that you really can have with this team because through seven games, there has not been a more consistently dominant team on both
1: sides of the football in the entire country than Ohio State. By the way, the kicker hit a 55-yarder, and for the first time ever, I (laughs) feel confident on punt returns with Garrett Wilson back there, too. I wanted to throw that in there
5: talk about, I mean, just all the things that are going right. I mean, whenever you're literally not even worried about your punt return and catching the ball, which if you're an Ohio state fan, how long have we all been terrified about the punt returners fumbling the football? I mean, it, it, the entire Meyer era. So, you know, when your kicker is just gratuitously hitting a 55 yarder at the end of the half and everybody's just jumping around like they're, they're a bunch of middle schoolers just at a, like a dance party or something, you know, the things are going well for you. <laughs> That's simple. And by the way, Ryan Day deserves a world of credit for the culture he's created, uh, that these kids are out there having this much fun, playing this consistently well, and they're not thinking. They're just playing, and they're allowing their athleticism to carry the day, and that is a scary, scary thing for
1: literally any other team in the country because this OSU team is stacked. Yeah, I hesitate to say this out loud, but I've never been more confident with someone as a punt returner. I have more confidence in him than anyone, considering the fact he's 18 years old. And as a true freshman, another strong statement for Mr. Wilson. Not a strong statement for your Michigan Wolverines last night. I think you can slice this any way you want. They got down 21-0. The last game I was this geek to watch was Wisconsin versus Michigan, and we all know how that started. So then I got this one going, and it was like, here we go again. They did fight back. They just can't win a big game on the road as an underdog. They can't win as an underdog, period. Your thoughts on uh, the Big Ten tussle last night?
5: Well, first and foremost,
1: they are not my Michigan
5: Wolverines. I want to make that real clear. <laughs> I I just I think we see Michigan when they play against better teams. They get punched in the mouth and they don't necessarily have a lot of an answer. Uh for them, I think it's more indict- of an indictment of Penn State allowing them back into the game than anything else. I think Penn State got up twenty one nothing and assumed they were gonna coast into Michigan's credit, they kept playing. And they made the game interesting, no doubt about it. Uh, that's a Penn State team, by the way. That they have all the talent in the world, especially on defense. But this is like the fourth or fifth game that they've won where they've been outgained by the opponent. So that's a, that's that's a big red flag. And another thing is, this Penn State team is absolutely not the sum of all of its parts. When it comes to uh, the, the talent they have in the team, really translating to results in the field, they're winning. They're good. They're not a national contender, good in my eyes. Uh, I, I think. Penn State showed itself to be a little less than people might have hoped for it to be in Penn State uh, in terms of their fan base last night, because if they're closer to Michigan than they are to Ohio State in terms of the big-time pecking order, that's not a good thing for the Wolverines. I will say this, though. uh, That Penn State-Minnesota game in two weeks, or three weeks, whenever it's going to be, is looking like an unbeaten versus unbeaten kind of battle. And at this point, are you really certain Penn State's going to win that game? I'm not. And as for Michigan, you know who they have next week? Notre Dame. You know who's still on their schedule? Michigan State. And then, of course, Ohio State. And this probably means absolutely nothing, but I want to point this out. Uh, I am currently this weekend in the state of Michigan for one of my son's hockey tournaments. This is the second time we've come up to Michigan for a hockey tournament this year. The last time, Wisconsin blew them out that day. This weekend, they lost to Penn State. I am happy to report to everybody in Buckeye Nation. I will be up here the weekend they play the Buckeyes as well for hockey. So that seems like a good omen for the way that game's going to go.
1: How has the officiating been in those games? Pretty fair.
5: Oh my God, the refs this morning had to be Michigan fans because they absolutely screwed our Ohio-based team. It was the semifinals of the tournament that we were up here, and like uh, there was more blatant penalties that went uncalled at critical moments. They they took a game away from us that we probably should have won. It's uh. Uh, they they might as well have been just walking around with a you know uh, a Michigan hat on and giving us the finger. It was absolutely ridiculous. But,
1: you know, whatever, they're salty. I'd be salty too if my team consistently sucked like theirs does. At least you'll be able to get back in the car and head for the Buckeye State eventually. Nationally speaking, what did you see yesterday that concerns you or jumped out to you?
5: Alabama's in a lot of trouble if Tua Tagovailoa can't play. All right, all right, it's – without him, it's the equivalent of Ohio State losing Dwayne Haskins last year, plain and simple. They're in a world of hurt. Their entire team is that passing game. And, candidly, that was the most – Like we talk about bad officiating, that was the worst officiated college football game I've ever seen in terms of bias towards one team. Like, we always joke about how the SEC officials always, you know, have calls that seem to favor the uh, the, the undefeated team to help them in their national positioning. That Tennessee game was a screw job. Does. Tennessee had a touchdown taken away on a phantom hold. Tua got hurt. It's 21 to 10. Two straight possessions in the red zone. Tennessee goes on like the three-yard line and like multiple plays in a row, the refs threw flags to back them up to like the 25. And then Alabama's backup quarterback gets in, goes three and out, throws, and they threw a phantom unnecessary roughness penalty on the Tennessee defender who was just standing up. And Bama managed to go down and score on that drive. That game was 35 to 13, but that uh, the only scores that happened after Tua got hurt was that phantom uh, unnecessary roughness call that resulted in a, a drive that got to continue and then a 100-yard football return for a touchdown when Tennessee went for it on fourth and one. If Alabama does not have Tua, they lose at least two games the rest of this year. And That's by far the biggest development on the national scene in my eyes. Uh, now, the rest of it nationally, I mean, obviously the Wisconsin game was a complete disaster and, you know, for them losing to Illinois is, uh, look, you can have a, a week where you look ahead. You have a week where you make a, a lesser than your best effort. But Illinois is a bad team. It's not like that's a 4-2 and two team that has strength on one side of the ball that took advantage of it. Wisconsin wasn't ready to play. They got made big mistakes. And at one point, that game was 23-14. to 14, And Wisconsin was going in for a score. And Jonathan Taylor, who's supposed to be the Heisman front runner, fumbled the football. And then Wisconsin defense, which has four shutouts this year and is supposed to be the greatest in America, gave up a long touchdown drive and then after that, they gave up a long, a long drive for a field goal to lose the game. So those are massive developments in the top ten. And that's going to be something you got to really keep an eye on. Like you never root for injuries, not at all. But if Tua can't come back, you can give the West to LSU right now, plain and simple.
1: I could not agree more with anything you just said. Here is my updated list of teams I think have a chance to beat Ohio State. Clemson, Louisiana State, Oklahoma, and Bama with Tua. The rest of them, I don't see it. I put Georgia more in the Penn State category. I could see Georgia and Penn State playing a really nice bowl game. The more this is going, it really does seem like we very well could have a showdown with Joey B in the championship game, which would be just tremendous. We appreciate back stopping by. We thank the dean for stopping by and Pat Murphy as well. Have a great Sunday, Buck Buckner.